From the University of Nebraska-Lincoln Center for Agricultural Profitability, this is Nebraska Farmcast. I'm Ryan Evans. For landlords and tenants with verbal lease agreements in place, September 1st represents an important deadline in Nebraska. The state Supreme Court has ruled that the lease year begins on March 1st and that notice to a tenant to vacate under a verbal lease must be given six months in advance of the end of the lease, or no later than September 1st. We'll walk through what this means for both parties, discuss the benefits of written leases over verbal agreements, and highlight the differences between cropland and pasture leases. Jessica Groskopf, an extension agricultural economist at UNL, has co-authored an article on our center's website at cap.unl.edu about terminating verbal farmland leases, and she is with me now. Jessica, thanks for joining me. Thanks, Ryan. So can you explain why the September 1st deadline is so important for terminating verbal farmland leases in Nebraska and then who that deadline applies to? Yeah, so the deadline applies to anybody who has a verbal or a handshake lease agreement. So what we're looking for is to make sure that if you want to change the terms of your lease or terminate terminate that relationship with your tenant, that you provide that notica- notification by September 1st. So what happens if a landlord misses a September 1st deadline to terminate a verbal lease? How long is the tenant then able to stay on the land? So if you miss that deadline, that tenant technically has the right to that farmland and through the 2024 growing season. So it's really important that if you're interested in terminating, that you do get that notification in. Now, if you guys have a cordial relationship, um, you could mutually agree to terminate it, but that tenant does have that legal right without that formal termination. And this is uh, based on a decision from the Nebraska Supreme Court, correct? The September 1st date? Yes. So this is state statute that requires this termination to happen. And it applies to all annual verbal leases, regardless of the crop. So this is especially important for wheat ground that we make sure that we're providing adequate notice to that tenant so that they don't do any of that fall work on that property. And you mentioned in your article that lease disputes can arise more often with verbal leases, understandably so. So um, what are some examples of common disputes over verbal lease terms? So I think there's a lot of things that can happen within a verbal lease, right? When we you know, shake hands and agree on a rental rate or a crop share uh, percentage, that really is kind of an interesting moment where there might be different expectations of, of when we shake hands. So one of those examples is sometimes we see that maybe there's certain uh, expectations related to maintenance of like roadways or things like that, maybe small things, um, but that can cause a lot of problems in landlord-tenant relationships. The other thing is not understanding this termination deadline uh, from the state of Nebraska. So again, you do have to provide at least six months notice. And in Nebraska, the state statute says that those leases begin March 1. So we've got to provide that termination uh, by the end of August. What are some other main benefits that you see of putting farmland leases in writing rather than just relying on a verbal agreement? So let's go back to that wheat example, and that's where we can change what that termination looks like, and we can either shorten or lengthen that window and adjust it to fit our property more accurately. The other thing it does is it causes us to communicate more as landlords and tenants 
and outline some of those expectations of what can happen on that property. So I think it's really important that we actually do have a good lease agreement. The other component of written lease agreements is kind of from an estate planning standpoint, they provide a written document for your heirs. Now you might be sitting here going, you know, I'm, I'm not, you know, in my eighties or nineties. Why, why would I worry about that? The reality is though, you know, if something were to happen to you, whether you're the landlord or the tenant, that verbal lease agreement is binding on your heirs. So it really is important that, that whoever that person is knows and understands what the terms of that agreement are. And without a written lease agreement, you're really putting that heir at a disadvantage. That situation just puts them in a very vulnerable place um, when they're grieving and, and really puts them at a place where they're trying to understand everything that's going on, especially if you're within a production season. So not only are they worried about keeping that crop and getting it to grain, but they're also then worried about how to handle income and expenses and those kinds of things and making sure that the terms of that arrangement are fulfilled. So I like to really think about them no matter what age you are as a part of a good estate plan. Great. And pasture leases work a little bit differently from cropland. So can you just highlight how the termination process is different for those on a pasture? Yeah. So if we're thinking about a typical grazing season or summer grazing season pasture lease, it does not have this six month notification requirement. Basically, it, it, it just leases from year to year. So it terminates when those cows are, are pulled from that summer pasture. And what other advice would you give landlords and tenants to just improve their communication around lease agreements and terminations? I think it's really important to set regular meetings with one another and provide each other with updates in a positive format. So, for example, if you have a, a landlord uh, who maybe is a little older and prefers that face-to-face communication, making sure that you take them out to coffee on a regular basis and, and discuss what's happening with that property, especially as we come into uh, fall and winter, thinking about how are we going to discuss the upcoming year with them? How do, are we going to talk about the performance of the farm uh, this past year? And what are we going to do uh, moving forward? And really keeping those channels of communication open. Now, if you have a younger landlord, um, maybe they're absentee, a lot of them are okay with a text message, but I think we need to be really aware of the not only how much communication that we're providing, but the types of communication that we're providing and making sure that it matches each landlord that we have. Great. And last one resource that we often point out and that you write about in your article is aglease101.org, a website with some fill-in-the-blank lease agreement templates on there. Can you just give people a quick rundown of why that's a good resource or at least a good starting spot for getting a written lease in place? Yeah, like you said, it's a really good starting place. And so what it does is it outlines kind of the basic format of a typical lease agreement in the Midwest. The reason I like it is it gives you ideas for what should be included, but ultimately we still want you to go to your attorney to complete an official lease agreement. That's Jessica Grosskopf, an extension agricultural economist based out of Scotts Bluff. Thanks so much, Jessica, for joining me. Thanks, Ryan. Nebraska Farmcast is a production of the Center for Agricultural Profitability at the University of Nebraska-Lincoln. 
For the latest research-based information and education resources to manage your farm or ranch operation, visit our website at cap.unl.edu. That's cap.unl.edu.